0: 995 gold that's 833995 gold 833995 g o l d pure talk the cell phone service my family relies on is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries as you plan your summer travel make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad unlimited talk text plenty of 5g data for just $20 a month that's less than half the price of Verizon AT&T or T-Mobile Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. I didn't write this book to be an author. I'm already one. I didn't write this book to make money. I already have plenty. I wrote this book to save the country. And that's why I'm donating all the proceeds from American Playbook to the eventual GOP nominee. It's that important to me. And if it's that important to you too, pick up a copy today and join Team USA with Coach Clay. This playbook is how we're going to do it, how we're going to take back the country. And if you don't agree with me, read it, consider the suggestions and the plays, and then let's huddle on the field. But whatever you do, don't stay on the sidelines. Elections aren't a spectator sport. We need all of you in the game. Picking up a copy of American Playbook is picking up your jersey, putting it on, and joining the team. Come on, let's make America sane again.
2: Bold, reverent, and occasionally random, the Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast starts now.
0: Did you see what they are now trans activists have a new name for the vagina?
1: Uh, I Men will have, say have that-
0: penises. And women have vaginas, as we memorably learned in Kindergarten Cop. You were talking about uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger earlier, the new documentary on Netflix. They are trying to introduce a new name in the trans community for the vagina. Do you know, you have any clue? Did I, tell, I don't even remember if I told you, you, you this. You told air.
1: me, and I legitimately thought that you were making it up for a second and just seeing if I would go for it because... <laughs> It really does seem more and more like the the trans activist community is just trying to see how far they can push the insanity. It's never enough. There's no end to it. Well, if so they're
0: already talking about men who menstruate and men that chest feeding now instead of breastfeeding,
1: have so you come? This, I've I've come across this like looking up you know basic uh, you know medical stuff you know and you're like oh like you know I have like a ringing in my ear and you Google something and I've come across now on on some of the big medical sites they'll refer to you know. Oh, you should be aware if you're if you're a person who gets a period of the and and it takes you a moment to process it. You go, oh, be aware of the following if you're a woman. Yeah, they don't want to write woman anymore. Yeah, pregnant person.
0: It's not pregnant woman anymore. It's pregnant person. So the new and I can't make this up. The new word for vagina that the left is trying to bring to the American public. Bonus hole. They are, tr- I, 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 I swear to you this is true, they are now trying to refer to the vagina as a bonus hole, presumably because everyone has the other hole, women, Buck, don't have a vagina, they have a bonus hole. I, I just, <laughs> I just, I can't, and I know all of you out there are like this, wh- what, in the, what in the world is going on? A bonus hole. Good luck with that. One. If you if you're if you're going home with uh, the 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 wife, hoping to get lucky,
1: the bonus hole, Buck. I'm gonna, gonna let you take this one out <laughs> to the end here, Clay. You're, you're 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 on your own, buddy.
0: I don't think I don't think that's gonna aid in your romantic aspirations for the evening. I I just I you you hear some of this stuff, Buck, and. I just, I I can't help but just laugh. I mean, I I shared this story online because I wanted to see the comments and they're amazing,
1: but what are they doing? They're they're degrading your ability. They're degrading the ability of people to think and speak the truth about anything.
2: Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck.
1: You are my fast food connoisseur. Yes. To be fair, it's not that I wouldn't eat it. I just really can't eat fast food because of the gluten content that is in almost (laughs) all of it. As somebody who has celiac disease, I will say when when RFK Jr. was talking about a bunch of things, he mentioned the big explosion in celiac disease of the last, let's say, 30 years. That got my attention. Celiac disease is so annoying. It is very frustrating to deal with. But anyway... Because I used to roll in with my, you know, my dad.
0: What did did he attribute it to? Is it the processed foods and stuff that he thinks may have increased? I don't know the answer, but.
1: Uh, I mean, I think he said something about vaccines, but, you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of things. (laughs) I think it might (laughs) have been about vaccines with RFK Jr. But the point being, uh, it seems to me like there are people that make the case. There's a whole book uh, called Wheat Belly that talks about uh, what they call dwarf wheat, which is uh, genetically modified grain. I read this right when I got diagnosed with celiac about 13 years ago now, and uh, after having been extremely sick for months, which was not fun. Anyway, on to, on the fun things, fast food. Oh, if you want to read Wheat Belly, though, it talks about how we have. If you look at what wheat looked like, you know, in the during the American Revolution or during the time of the Bible or whatever, you look at wheat; it all looks the same. Then again, the 20th century and it changes. The basic fu- fundamental plant looks very very different like what genetically we genetically modified
0: different. in many ways yes. over time yes okay. it's
1: shorter it's denser it is much more rapidly uh harvest you know much more rapidly grown and therefore harvested so it's more efficient it's more economical but how's it doing for people i mean uh anyway that's that's one thing but i i can't really eat the, uh, the much of the fast food i can go to um the Chick-fil-A, the nuggets, and the fries. That's what I can go for. That's a good uh, combo to have you know, to it's rely solid. on, by the way. Yeah. Well, I take the I take the fries and make a little chicken nugget sandwich with my waffle fries, which gets it done. Um, but I will say this. There is in Thailand, somebody see this, they're getting all this attention no. for the cheeseburger. Uh the real cheeseburger they're calling it. Everyone's writing about this it is no meat it is just 20 slices of american cheese melted between two buns would you eat this clay this is in 20 Thailand.
0: slices is a it's lot it's
1: burger king
0: uh i mean i i mean look i've probably eaten way uh, way less healthy things i mean i like grilled cheese but i can't imagine that this is very good I, No, it doesn't have a lot of appeal to me did you uh did you see my hot take that blew up associated with fast food No, what was it? Uh, I ranked chicken tenders, and I altered my chicken tenders fast food power rankings, and it set off an uproar, and the best, in my opinion, always humble as you well know, I now think the best chicken tenders in America, fast food, I'm not talking about individual restaurants, Raisin Cane's. Have you ever had you? You can't eat it. You you have you legitimately zero opinion on this. Yeah, raisin canes is to come into Nashville recently, and my boys, I would say chicken tenders and pizza. If you have kids, are probably the most reliable staple of the child diet. You can toss in maybe peanut butter and jelly, but chicken tenders and pizza—it's almost impossible to go wrong. So my kids, not surprisingly, eat a lot of chicken tenders and pizza. Raising Canes Buck, if you were able to eat it, is incredibly good. I bumped them to number one, replacing Zaxby's. I think Raising Canes has the best chicken tenders in America, and they are unbelievably good.
1: You would what is them. your what is your all in favorite fast food chain, period? Fast oh, food chick not-
0: Chick, chick- fil A. Beyond a shadow of a doubt.
1: All in? Wow, okay. I go. If I in and had to burger. only
0: eat one Chick-fil- one fast food for the rest of my life, like you wiped me out and said you can't go anywhere else, I would go Chick-fil-A. Because I don't think I've ever had a Chick-fil-A sandwich, and as you mentioned, the waffle fries earlier, and thought, oh, you know what? That really stunk. Right. The quality is always there. Just like my favorite meal, if I had to get a meal, I had to eat one meal for the rest of my life, I would go chicken parm. I think chicken parm is the, I've never, it's almost impossible to screw up chicken parm. It's almost always good. What about you? What would your go-to be?
1: Oh, In-N-Out Burger, for sure. In-N-Out Burger. So can you eat the In-N-Out Burger or no? Yeah, because they put it on lettuce wraps. Ah. Yeah, I know. Which is still very good. It's not as good as it would be with a bun, but that's that So when you co- went out on a first date with a girl
0: back in the day, did you pretend that you didn't have celiac disease because you thought it was kind of wimpy, or did you immediately admit that you had it? No, I, you got to, otherwise, you I'll be sick for days. <laughs> there's no, like... Oh, you mean it's if not she like ordered, a, like, something, an appetizer, and, like, you wouldn't eat
1: it? Like, you would just, you'd immediately say it? Oh, I mean, immediately, immediately, yeah. There's no, there's no, uh, it's not like, there are a lot of people that won't eat gluten because they're like, oh, like, my, it's like, I don't think it, you know, it's good for my system, which is fine, by the way. I, I mean, I legitimately... It, Celiac disease causes an autoimmune misfire, basically, where your intestines become inflamed because they're treating the actual gliadin or the gluten protein like it is like an invader, something to be. So, so
0: you you had this when you were 10 and 12 and you didn't know or it didn't never they revealed don't, itself? They don't
1: know if it's adult onset or if it's something that you don't, you know, that basically you were symptom-free until later or it's like an adult onset allergy and you've probably heard of people who will eat shrimp or something and all of a sudden they're having a you know reaction and they used to eat it all the time so not not really clear about one percent of the population has celiac disease overall so i am mean is it
0: more prominent like in irish people is there yes. like a it is western
1: it's 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 almost entirely i mean like i can say when i was in china and i was trying to i was trying to navigate the cuisine in beijing um the, the celiac it's just not a thing you just don't Oh, they don't have it in China, really. It's not a thing they ever come across. It's really Western Europeans um, who, for whatever reason, genetically have uh, have celiac disease. So, yeah, it's one of those weird things. Well, I'm telling you, Buck,
0: at some point, if you get a solution, if you get healed, you would love raisin canes. And the raisin cane sauce, I would inject it into my veins. I think it's it's maybe the greatest sauce that's ever existed I mean, in that's history. That's actually something
1: it. I've thought about. Like, if I got a, if I got a hall pass... Or going all in on the gluten, I, if you're talking fast food, I'd probably do a breaded, salted, delicious Chick-fil-A sandwich. <laughs> many, That's probably what I'd go
0: how for. How many people are going straight to get fast food just based off this conversation here?
1: Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand.
0: Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious
1: world conflicts?
0: nine nine five g-o-l-d the number one fantasy sports app in america's prize picks it's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports five million members already active on prize picks if you've not yet downloaded prize picks do it today unlike other apps on prize picks it's just you against the number it's about the players and not the teams you look for the sports you know best and that you follow the most. Then you make a single decision on each player projection. More or less, every time you play, you pick two to six players and make that one decision. You can win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four picks. More player action on prize picks now than ever, and it's the best way to get action on sports in more than 30 states now. Prize picks also gives you injury insurance so your picks stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Download the free PrizePix app and open your account. Use my name, Clay, for a first deposit match up to $100. Download the PrizePix app. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, to get set up and get a deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy.
1: Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes that we're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. GCU believes in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose.
0: GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and
1: your community. Change the world for good by putting others before yourself to glorify God.
0: Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Sundays with Clay and Buck.
1: God, Saad is with us now. Some of you are familiar with his work, I'm sure. He's an author, a public intellectual, a marketing expert. He has a new book out. The sad, so, the sad truth about happiness, because you know, God's sad. Uh, God, thanks for being with us.
3: Oh, thanks so much for having me. Pleasure to be with you.
1: All right, you deal with a lot of stuff in here. You know, we talk about politics today, and, and things have been pretty pretty fiery on the show. But we also want to give um, as much as we can ha- have conversations here that deal with how to live the good life, how to do the right things, how to feel good in your day to day. Tell us about how you can achieve that and what you're getting at in this book.
3: Well, I'm basically arguing that, look, there's about 50% of our differences in happiness scores come from our genes, meaning some of us have a sunny disposition, some of us have a less sunny disposition, but the good news is that it still leaves 50% up for grabs. So there are certain choices that you can make in life, certain mindsets that you can adopt that either increase your likelihood of happiness or of misery and so that's what the book is about what are some of these secrets
0: okay like so yeah Sorry. exactly what are some
3: okay well i mean uh, let's start with the two most fundamental decisions that will either impart great happiness or great misery upon you choosing the right life partner and the ideal job i can speak briefly on each if you'd like uh, the right life partner, in evolutionary psychology, there are two opposing maxims. One is the opposites attract maxim, or the birds of a feather flock together maxim. Well, for short-term sexual encounter, opposites attract works perfectly well. I may be sexually restrained, I may be introverted, you may be the exact opposites, and hence opposites might attract. But for long-term stability of a romantic union, the research is overwhelmingly clear that it's birds of a feather flock together. And what, what do we mean by birds of a feather flocking on which feathers? Well, it's sharing the same life goals, same belief systems, same values. You increase your chances tremendously if you find someone with whom to assort on these values. All
0: right. What about jobs? Uh, so many people out there are constantly seeking affirmation seeking happiness through what they do for a living what does the data show us on this what would you encourage let's say we got 17 18 20 year olds listening right now trying to figure out what direction to go with their career what would you say the data suggest is the pathway to fulfilling and happiness in that respect
3: yeah great great question thank you uh I argue there are two fundamental things that you should try to achieve in terms of your ideal job, if possible. Of course, I realize people may have, you know, pragmatic constraints, but if possible, number one, any job that allows you to instantiate your creative impulse, you could be a chef, you could be an architect, you could be a podcaster, a stand-up comic, an author, a professor, all of these jobs, while very different, share one thing in common. They create new content, new material. And the process of being immersed in the creative process really is a is a direct pathway to purpose and meaning. The second uh, metric that I would recommend in terms of finding an ideal job is something that gives you temporal freedom. so and, and that's a fancy way of saying that gives me freedom to sort of navigate through my day without being consistently constrained by someone else's schedule. So I may work very hard, gentlemen but it's really on my own time. I could work till four in the morning on my next paper or my next book, and then wake up at 10 and then go off to a cafe. contrast that to someone who is bound by, you know, union rules as to when they can take a bathroom break. So all other things equal creative impulse, temporal freedom is a sure way to being happy. If I could just add one quick other thing. in one of the last chapters I talk about anticipatory regret. So, Try to make decisions that will anticipate you not succumbing to future regret. So as we're living to a job, many people at the end of their life will say, I really regret that I never pursued my interest in the arts. I became a pediatrician because my dad and his dad were pediatricians. And so you really have to be mindful of that. I understand that people have constraints. They have to put you know food on the table. But if you can find something that will minimize anticipatory regret in the future, you're on your way to being happy
1: speaking of God's sad. Uh, he has a book, The Sad Truth About Happiness. We're talking about it right now. You know, you, you say in the book, you get into resilience. I've learned the older I get, uh, God, the more it feels like, re- like resilience and persistence gets you 90%
3: of where you want to be. Oh, 100%. Look, you, when I'm working on this book, Right. I mean, of course, you have to have talent to, t- to tell a story, to you know, do the research on you know, the material that you're writing about. But the discipline that is required to wake up every day doesn't matter if I'm teaching classes that day. It doesn't matter if I'm having trouble with my children at home. It doesn't matter if I have bronchitis. I have to head off and write 500 words a day, no matter what. Rainy, sunny, doesn't matter. If I don't do that, I could never meet the strict deadline that my publisher has imposed. I ran a few marathons when I was younger. I mean, it, it, it's not about physical shape when you're running a marathon. It's when you hit the wall around the 38-kilometer mark. Are you able to take another step? Everything in your body is saying no, but yet one step, another step, another step, and suddenly you finish the marathon. So there's nothing you can do in life that that, that is uh, substantive, that doesn't require this anti-fragility mindset.
0: What about social media? What does it show you in terms of happiness? So many people spending a lot of time on Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitter, they all have different cultures. Facebook. What does that reflect about happiness? Uh, Is it a pathway to unhappiness? Is it something that, that you have to watch? Is it something that leads to more happiness based on your data? What have you seen?
3: Yeah, great question. I mean, it really depends on how you interact with social media if you use it say in my case, because of my job, I have to spread ideas, I have to connect with people. Well, then if you do it for that, then it can bring you great riches. On the other hand, if you use it to constantly compare your lot in life to others, well, you know, they have a nicer car, their marriage seems better than mine, they seem to have better put together children, then that's why you end up with depression when you navigate through social media because everybody is curating the best aspects of their life, they're not showing you the bad parts. And so you start underestimating how good your life is. And you think everybody has this magical life. And that can make you feel bad. So use social media to connect with others, drop the rest, and hopefully you'll be happier.
1: One more for you, God, you know, I'm I'm getting a a dog with my wife this fall, you have something about that that really (laughs) stuck out to me in the book about, you know, taking a tip from your dog about happiness in life.
3: Oh, my goodness. I, you know what? I think that probably getting a dog is better than being put on any antidepressant medication. I mean, may, I'm being a bit facetious. But look, what? why do we share so much with dogs? Because we both have an innate and desperate desire to play. We're both social species. We both wish to be immersed in play. That's why I have a whole chapter on life as a playground. So I'm really delighted to hear that you're getting a dog. Believe me, as someone who's had many Belgian Shepherds, life without a dog is bereft of meaning.
0: And speaking of that, uh, there's d- different data I've seen on kids, especially when kids are young. Stresses on parents uh, are a lot higher. I'm curious what the data reflects on parenting, grandparenting, and how children factor in uh, to happiness based on what you've seen.
3: Look, uh, the, the research is, is mixed. I mean, some some people say that having Uh, children uh, you know offers you a a bit of a hit of happiness others say the opposite so the research is not completely unequivocal there but I'll answer in a more philosophical way I argue that your pathway to immortality really operates through two pathways number one I could have genetic immortality and I could only have that by having children when I have children I literally am propagating my genes at least half of my genes to each of my children the other way that I can achieve immortality is through what's called memetic immortality, right? The books that I write hopefully are read by others. They Now I'm infecting their brains with my ideas. And so uh, from my perspective, existentially, uh, life is somewhat uh, poorer if you don't have uh, children that can hopefully take care of you when you're older. So yes, get children. Hopefully that will make you happier.
1: The Sad Truth About Happiness. God Sad is uh, the author. God, always good to have you all, man. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Cheers.
2: Sunday Sizzle with Clay and Buck.
0: We bring in now our friend Adam Carolla, star comedian, podcast host. Adam, we got a bunch of stuff to hit you with. Uh, let's start here. You're out in California, crazy town. They're talking on MSNBC about bringing mask back. I remember early on in the COVID era, you got so fed up, you were just traveling around the country to do comedy events where you could go to steakhouses. I remember having a conversation with you. Are even you still stunned at the number of people still walking around in masks in the L.A. area?
2: Yeah, it's, it's insane. I mean, at least you, you know how they vote. If you see a guy with a mask, you know he votes Democrat. And if you see a guy who wears his sunglasses on top of his bald cap, you know that guy votes Republican. So <laughs> You don't even have to talk to people anymore. Um, the whole masking thing, I mean, think about this concept. The first time we heard the phrase mask up in between bites on an airplane that's the day every american should have said this is insane this is nonsense mask up in between bites
1: Yeah I I think that you know was oh actually the policy Adam was on airlines people forget this it was not a masking policy it was a mask up in between bites policy which was enforced with a uh, stalinist enthusiasm by at least some members of the uh the airline attendant community I can speak to that personally um, you know in California is your expectation that as you go into the uh, flu and cold season here that they're gonna try to pretend like that wasn't all insane like are, are they gonna they're not gonna do lockdowns obviously but are there gonna be weird signs telling people separate and six feet apart and all that stuff or or have they moved at least far enough away from that?
2: Those, many of those signs are still up. They're still, I was just at the Burbank airport two days ago and they had all these signs up about get your kids vaccinated. It's really just a compliance issue. It's not really a safety or health issue. It's really California just basically wants everyone to comply, wants their subjects to comply. And that's all it's ever really been about. So, If you think of it in those terms, then it makes sense. If you think of it from a scientific standpoint, then you get confused.
1: And can you weigh in on something really important for us, Adam? It's actually getting real political attention because there was a hearing on Capitol Hill. Clay and I have been going back and forth here. Um, I'm not saying that Clay has been abducted by aliens, but he certainly leaves open the possibility that he may tell us one day because he's a believer. Um, where, where do you come down on the UFO stuff? You know, last week, Capitol Hill had hearings on this. They had some guy under oath say they pulled bodies out of a UFO. I mean, did you see that? you know what I'm talking about?
2: Yes. Yeah. Well, I like to look at it as a little more of a sociological experiment because I'm a little older than you guys, and I remember living through the 70s, and it was nonstop UFO talk. Every third TV show was Leonard Nimoy narrates. And who really built the pyramids? And it was, we were obsessed with UFOs all through the 70s. And now, for the first time, we seem to have real proof there were UFOs and are UFOs and nobody cares. (laughs) And the the, the thing that's insane is if you would have got hold of me in 1977 and said, we have real hardcore proof there's UFOs, I would say the world would stop and everyone would go outside their house and look into the skies. We would cease having arguments about politics or sports or anything, and we'd all go right to UFOs. And it's because we're such insane narcissists now that we're all staring down at our phones instead of looking up in the sky. You can't even get people's imagination into this stuff. You can't fucking into it because we're such intense narcissist that it's not about us it's about the heavens and nobody cares which is insane
0: uh adam carolla we're talking with him now you've got a comedy camp coming up with jay leno i'm curious what the vibe when you talk to your comedy comedian friends uh as we get ready for 2024 they all lost their mind over trump Now we're going to potentially come up with four years of Biden and nothing really has changed. It's not like things have gotten back to normal in the country in any way. Is there a closet? Hey, we're done with this whole Democrat cancel culture, anti-comedy bit that you hear even from people who are afraid of offending, right? Some of their audience that might be more liberal. What's the vibe in the comedic community As we get ready for 24, would it be all hands on deck? Everybody ridicules Trump. Or do you think the comedians may just actually try to make people laugh as opposed to being political stooges?
2: I think, you know, Biden being a complete s show and Trump being out of office and and then, of course, them being wrong about all things COVID has kind of tempered them a little bit It's like it's tamped them down because uh, they have crazed egos and they think they're right about everything, but they don't possess any discernible skills, but they will ramp it back up if Trump starts getting near the White House. There's there's no, there's no doubt about that, although there's another comedic community, mostly out of New York, that is a burgeoning community that has basically pushed against all the political correctness and are doing their own thing. They're not They don't need Netflix anymore. They don't need uh, HBO anymore. They're using YouTube to release their specials. So just like anything, it has created a sort of counterculture group, which I'm happy for.
1: Are you going to or have you seen, Adam, Barbie so that you can at least comment on it for the purposes of comedy and your work?
2: I... I spoke to my daughter and her friends. They're 17. They've seen it. They didn't really care for it. And I've talked to a few people just from a comedic standpoint, like how funny is this movie? And they didn't give it a very high mark in the, in the comedy department. But, um, I, that's all, that's all I got on Barbie.
0: What about Jay Leno? um you know you see this uh like comedy everybody's shut down because of the writer strike uh i saw i saw they said that they weren't going to have a host of the espies because they didn't have writers i don't know if you saw this and i was like they actually had writers for the espies i didn't think it was that funny in the first place uh what what are you doing with jay leno what are you trying to teach what's the plan
2: well i talked to the guy who's been running the rock and roll fantasy camp for 25 years and it's a great success. People get to sort of live their dreams out with the rock and roll legends. And I just said to him, why not a comedy fantasy camp? Like that baseball, they have rock and roll. What about comedy? And he just said, that's a great idea. And it'll be stand-up comedians. It'll also be guys who run sitcoms, guys who write on sitcoms, guys who write on late-night shows, you know, showrunners, show creators, all things comedy. So if you want and it peek behind the curtain, uh, then you just go to uh, ComedyFantasyCamp.com, and it's basically the same as Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp or Baseball Fantasy Camp. Comedy. That's a super
1: cool idea. Yeah, ComedyFantasyCamp.com, everybody. Go check it out. Also check out the Adam Carolla podcast. Adam, always appreciate you hanging out with us. Thanks for calling in today.
2: Always a pleasure, guys. Keep up the good work.
1: Thank you, sir. I I would. That sounds. That sounds.
0: Doesn't cool, that man. sound kind of cool? I yeah. mean, for people, if you grew up watching Adam Carolla back in the day, or you watched Jay Leno, and they're going to show you kind of behind the scenes how the comedic industry works. I mean, that that sounds pretty fun. Honestly,
1: it's also good for people, I think, to to try to write comedy because or or to do it in because it's really really hard. <laughs> like it's the thing, you know. Yeah, I think you have an even greater appreciation for it when you've gone. To sit down, because people will watch something really funny on TV. They're like, I'm a funny guy. I'm a funny guy in real life. I could write, yeah, it's actually very difficult to write really good comedy and to produce that with any uh, uh, efficiency and over any length of time. Well, then, Sorry, then you that have doesn't to figure sound out, funny at all. But you know No, I
0: no, mean. no, but you have to figure out. I mean, I think this is, to, to tie it in politically, I think the great skill of Trump is he is like a stand-up comic. In that when he does his rallies, and this is why I think his political campaigns are so much more successful when he's out and about doing all these rallies. He will talk. Like he talked for, what, an hour and 40 minutes in Erie, Pennsylvania, and he basically tries out arguments. And based on what the crowd responds to, he refines his stump speech and figures out intuitively what the audience is responding to and then uses that to guide his political tenets. It's almost like a real-time live poll that he is conducting of his audience i think it's it's really fascinating to see the way he interplays and works with that
1: trump uh is funny i'm trying to think of the, of another politician that uh, an adjective that comes to mind about him or her is funny i don't know they're not that many that i think of as you, you think of any politicians it's a, you, it's a
0: great question somebody who could make you i, I think chris christie thomas, may be a little bit funny um, thomas
1: massey uh congressman massey is funny yeah, um, you know, he makes funny. I've heard him say funny things. I'm trying to not a lot. They're not a lot of funny politicians. I think it self-selects
0: in some ways, Buck, to your point. Ted for Cruz. Who, oh, Ted is, Cruz is funny. Is sur- Ted underrated. Cruz
1: is, is funny and he does a lot of serious stuff. But if you actually just get Ted Cruz away from the mic, he's pretty funny.
0: I think politics self-selects for people who take themselves very seriously. Yes. And so it tends to not overlap that much with having strong comedic sensibilities, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Mitt Romney doing stand-up, that is, <laughs> for a lot of people, the end-of-days scenario. You know, you're just sitting there, Mitt's up there. Anyway, we'll get back into more of that. Take some of your calls to close us out. Also, if you've seen that ClayandBuck.com, the Bear video, I'm not saying they're paid off or they're part of the big, you know, the Bear unit party or whatever, but our staff in New York are all saying the Bear is real. That the that the uh, Malayan sun bear is not a man in a costume. I'm not. I'm just not counting it out. I'm not saying it is. I think I'm not Big Bear's
0: gotten. I think Big Bear's gotten to our audience in uh, in New York City. I just. I don't know if I can trust him anymore.